I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to the College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. Here's Shahan J. Haraja and Babak Hayeri. Hi, everybody. This is the College Football Survivor Show, where we are all about the race for the College Football Playoff Championship. I'm Bob Akkayeri, and I'm joined, as always, by the informed Shahan J. Araja, National College Football Writer for CBS Sports. You can find us on X at CBS, pardon me, CFB Survivor Show, where you can participate in polls, see video highlights of the show, and send us feedback. We also have a new TikTok account, at CFB Survivors Show, so you can be part of your lives there as well. But you know, what it boils down to is we're podcasts. We always appreciate it when you take a moment to like, rate, and subscribe to our show wherever you find us. Good reviews are always welcome. So this is a show that's all about the playoff race, and we have a pair of playoff games coming up on January 1st. Last show, we talked about some of the biggest questions that might define the CFP, And today, we're going to look at some of the most important players on each of these four contenders, teams that we and just about everyone else agree all have a good shot at winning it all. So, Shehan, when we look at this, are we talking about the best players or the most deserving players? I mean, sorry, I don't mean to bring that up again, but uh, but tell our audience how we're going to be going through this. Uh, yeah, the the answer is uh, number one on my board is Jordan Travis, because clearly he's the most valuable player of all time. Uh. No, I, I think that the way to approach this is, again, we went one through 10. We're going to start at the bottom, get to the top. Uh, this is a little bit more to, of like an X factor conversation. These are the guys who are load bearing is, is, I guess, what you could say right now, heading into the college football playoff, whether that means that they are a key to their unit, whether it's that they are a key matchup, maybe, against the opponents that they're going to play heading into the field. Uh, I definitely have one person in mind when it comes to that. Uh, it can also be, you know, look, if you were to take this player out, if they were to suffer an injury, which uh, player on the board would their respective teams struggle to replace? You know, a, a good example of this, right, is, is uh, certain players on the board, right, uh, like a wide receiver, for example. If Washington loses a wide receiver, that's a different thing than Michigan losing a wide receiver or Alabama losing a wide receiver. So that absolutely played in as well. One other thing that I'll mention, uh, we put together our own list of 10. So we'll go down each of our lists. My list, personally, I did not include any quarterbacks on the list. Everybody knows, I think, that the four quarterbacks heading into this uh, playoff Four of the best quarterbacks in the entire country. Four guys who have not made mistakes, who have made winning plays. Four guys who either were top 10 Heisman finishers this year, have a chance next year potentially to be top 10 Heisman finishers, or maybe even more than that. So I thought let's get a little bit deeper on my end uh, in terms of trying to, to go to different position groups, feature different players than you might have heard of. We'll have plenty of opportunity between now and January 1st to say that Michael Penix Jr. is good. And uh, so I I decided, let's take a step back from those players and kind of look down the board. So that was my approach. Is that kind of how you approached it, too? I definitely thought, well, okay, the quarterbacks are going to be an obvious answer to some extent. Um, with a few players on each of these teams that are quite notable. I, I did a mix of both, but I wanted to particularly take some emphasis, not just on, because we've talked about these quarterbacks in previous shows, to focus a little bit also exactly on those other players. Who do I think are some of the most important names to know? And I do like the way you phrased it, because I think that's actually a better way to think of it. If this player were to suddenly vanish or just not be able to play, how big of an impact would it be? on that program and the way they play ball. And I think that's an absolute great way to look at it. And we'll start breaking these down as we continue with the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. 
Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So as we take a moment here to break down who are the important players that we think um, are on these teams heading into the playoff, I took an interesting approach because when I went into this, especially when I ranked them, I started to think about which players are actually crucial to stopping the best players on the other team, um, which means they're not necessarily the superstar that we think of when we think of the the, the team involved, but they are going to absolutely, if they have a bad day, we're going to notice them um, for all the wrong reasons. So I was thinking initially, um, again, we're going in reverse order, uh, Texas cornerback Jade Barron, because he's going to have to take on Rome Dunze. He's going to have to take on a lot of the the strength of that Washington offense, which is the passing game. A lot of things, and we're probably going to talk about their, their run-stopping ability, which is also tremendous. But I was, I was thinking about the fact that if he has a bad game, um, we're going to find out about it. And he's been excellent. He's got 55 tackles, 4.5 uh, tackles for losses, 22 stops. He's got an interception. He's made big plays all year round for the Longhorns. And... You know, he's obviously an all Big 12 selection, all of that. So when it comes down to it, he's going to be one of the players who is going to be targeted a lot um, for by the, the Huskies. And he's going to need to step up to keep them in that game and allow the rest of that exceptional defense to step up. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And actually, I'll even add to that. I had Jade Bear number five on my list. It's not just that he's a good player, because he is. Also, one time Baylor committed, that's a whole other conversation. Uh, <laughs> but Jade Barron, is, he plays nickelback for Texas, and they move him around a lot. They use him in a lot of different ways, in coverage, getting closer to the line, uh, as a secondary defender on a lot of different players as well. When you're playing a wide receiver group that Washington has, it's more than just winning one-on-one battles it's more than just locking down an individual player it's about trying to scheme up your entire secondary to make the game more difficult jade baron has the ability to drop deep back into coverage he has the ability to man up receivers he has the ability to take away some of the short stuff we see to a large extent and, and by the way this will lead into my guy uh we see to a large extent that washington likes to use the short and intermediate passing game as a replacement in some ways for the running game so that they're able to spread the field and get defenses on their toes. Jade Barron is the guy who's going to be tasked with taking that away for Texas. And again, they they have a good defensive backfield. Jaron Thompson, a very senior player guy who's been around a a long time. Keaton Crawford, Michael Taft, two very experienced players as well. But Jade Barron is the playmaker back there. And so I, I think that he's going to be a huge part. And that transitions me to my guy, who's playing for Washington, going against Texas's best player, Dylan Johnson, the running back for Washington. We have not seen any team this season run with any level of success on Texas, except for Oklahoma when they used the quarterback run game. That was it. That's the only time we saw it. But Dylan Johnson has saved his biggest moments for Washington's biggest games. And you saw him break off some big runs against Oregon. I believe he had 100-yard performances in both Oregon games. He was huge, uh, like we saw in that win over USC. Uh, A huge amount of his yards coming after contact, too. So this is a big-time player who has only gotten better as the season's gone along. And nobody has been able to run on Texas, including Ollie Gordon, including Todd Brooks. That's two of the four top running backs in the entire country this past season. Dylan Johnson's a different kind of runner. He is a physical runner. He moves downhill very well. And if he's able to just average 3.8 yards per carry, right? If he's able to keep the ball moving against a Texas defensive line that includes Tavondre Sweat, uh, remember that name, we'll come back to him, and Byron Murphy II, I think that that changes completely the calculus with which Texas has to play this offense, and it opens things up for everybody else. So I, I like that we get a guy on both sides, 
Dylan Johnson for me at running back for Washington. Jade Barron at nickelback slash corner for you. Absolutely. Um, it's interesting, too, because I when he, when we talked about the difference in ranking some of these players, it is a little bit imprecise. I think there's almost tears to it. So I want to caution that I I could very well see that being a number five ranking player, especially when we're ranking. For me, I was trying to think of also just sort of generally who are the players that got me the most concerned. Um, I want to even though it's early on in this ranking, because I wasn't sure where to rank him because of his position. But in terms of importance, I want to switch over to the Rose Bowl. Will Riker for Alabama, the kicker, because mm. I think about the fact that how many times have we talked about Alabama's kicking game historically? I mean, if you look back to 2018, the whole joke was like, I remember every time we on RCFB, we throw up a, on Twitter like a, a kicker from the whole, you know, Canadian college football, Mexican college football, Japanese college football. There'd always be Alabama guys in the uh, in the reply saying like yeah, Saban should give that guy uh, a scholarship, you know, Koji no show of Karami University. We got to get him. Is he in the transfer portal? Well, that was before the transfer portal. But um, can we get him on the team? So the fact that they have a guy who is such a, a reliable kicker, he's been 20 of 23 of the season. Long of 51. He's gone three for three at 50 plus kicks. Although most of them, again, must therefore be between the 50 and the 51. That's tremendous. That's something Alabama just hasn't had. And we expect with Michigan for that to be probably a close game because Michigan is all about winning ugly. They're not about when they've been in their toughest games. They just that defense, they rely heavily on it. And, uh, you know, it becomes, you know, a, a game of. Uh, a, a field position, a game of trying to to break it open. And I think Alabama, with their defense, is going to be absolutely playing to that kind of game. And if Alabama is going to get that edge, having that reliability in a kicker is going to be tremendous. Because I know Jalen Milrow, and he's obviously a huge part of it, but the ability to have someone reliable, that's one of those things that I, I wonder, it just I don't know if it's been talked enough, because for those of us who've seen the, the many flavors of this Alabama dynasty over the years, kicker has not always been one of their strengths. So Will Riker, you know, uh, you're my number one to lead this away team. I'm so sorry I had to make that reference because I grew up with next generation, man. That to me, that's that's a part of my life. So um, <laughs> I had I had a nerd out that moment, um, even though D- Deep Space Nine is the true one true answer. But uh <laughs> Yes. <laughs> I love this pick. I, I didn't actually consider Will Reichard, and I probably should have considered him more. You know, this, this I think, is going to be a huge dynamic, especially in the Rose Bowl. Uh, you mentioned we expect it to be a low-scoring game, potentially a pretty ugly game. And Will Reichard is, I mean, like, I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I can name all of Bear Bryant's kickers off the top of my head, but it has a really good case to be the best kicker in Alabama history. Uh, Some people didn't expect him back last year. He could have potentially gone pro. He does come back. He is a huge part of Alabama making its way to the college football playoff. And another factor to take into account, too, Michigan last year had a kicker named Jake Moody, who a lot of people thought was maybe the best kicker in America. And they replaced him well. James Turner has come in, uh, only missed two kicks all year, six of eight on 40-plus yard kicks. So a good number, but not necessarily a Will Reichard or James, uh, or uh, sorry, Jake Moody type performance. So this could be a difference. You know, when you talk about the gap in experience between these two players in the kicking game, that's huge. And and I think you also look, uh, you know, you look at Washington's kicker, you look at Texas Bird Auburn, like, they are not the level of a Will Reichard in this game. So even in a title game, I think that Alabama is going to have the kicking advantage. So I like that a lot. This is where I get, uh, I guess, a little more interesting. So like I said off the top, depth in a position group can impact how overall important I think a player is. So this might be a little low for this player, but Romo Dunze I have at number nine. And... The two parts of this one, I mean, he is the best receiver in the college football playoff. I don't even think it's it's debatable at this point. Texas has a couple of really good players, but I think that Odunze as an individual talent, as good as anybody in the country, as good as Marvin Harrison Jr., as good as Malik Neighbors, any of them. He's going to be a top 15 pick in the, the 2024 NFL draft. Uh, the thing that keeps him down a little is the fact that Jalen Polk and Jalen McMillan are also going to be NFL draft picks this upcoming year. And so they don't rely on him quite as much as an individual player as some other guys we're going to mention on this list. But especially since I don't have Michael Penix on my list, like Romo Dunze is the game breaker on offense. This is a guy who 
uh, who again was a finalist for the Bolitnikoff Award, was a first team All American by a lot of different outlets. And he's also one of the few guys in the college football playoff who can both make plays through the air by getting vertical or he can make plays after the catch. He is a complete receiver, big body, physical. Uh, Again, I mean, (laughs) they're playing a Texas team that played a number of good receivers along the way, but this is a different kind of challenge for Jade Barron, for Ryan Watts, for all of these guys, for Terrence Brooks, uh, than they've had to face so far this season. So Romo Dunze, clearly a top 10 most important player in this college football playoff. I have met number nine. That's a good call. Um, It's so funny, too, because I know some of the people that have been revealing how they have voted for the Heisman Trophy. Some of the folks had actually swapped Penix into Dunze um, and put a Dunze in their their top three um, of their votes now that we've been hearing from some of the voters, which I thought was was interesting. I'm I'm not sure I would have gone that way, but I could see the argument almost certainly. And his talent is is absolutely evident. So now I guess we're we're kind of discussing our number eights, although we're going to get a, quite a bit of overlap here. So uh, I'm not going to necessarily repeat some of the ones that you've mentioned that were on my list. Because Dunze was on my list too, but I'm not going to I'm not going to get to him. Um, you know, I was thinking of again a player that is is going to be important, not necessarily as important as some of the others on his team. Uh, Texas is CJ Baxter because obviously he had to step up when Jonathan Brooks hurt his ACL, and he had carries before he was able to get plenty of carries in the games prior to his injury. Um, but then since then he stepped up against Iowa state. Um, he stepped up in the later games. He's a true freshman. He's five stars rating. We all know all of that. And he's been able to kind of step up. And I think when we see them um, go against Washington, uh, that ability to, to get the running game going is going to fall. Obviously he's not alone. He's, they've got Robinson, they've got um, Jaden Blue, but I think a lot of it is going to be on Baxter as well, and I'm very curious to see how he was, because if he has another strong game, um, that's going to help yours, that's going to help the entire program, and I think that's going to be one of those impact players for the Rose Bowl, or probably for the Sugar Bowl. Ah, sorry. <laughs> I love how it's not even natural, because I keep thinking, like, you know, where, where, where they're going. It's it's. I always get these games mis-swapped on which ones they are, because they're just semifinals, baby. Where they are is wonderful, but this is all about the college football playoffs. (laughs) Yeah, I assume CJ Baxter probably running into the corner of the end zone. Oh, wait, no, sorry. That was Vince Young. My my bad. Uh, So. Ooh, you know how to get me there, man. Wow. <laughs> I, see, CJ people ba- always talk about that play. That play didn't bother me. The play that bothered me the most in 2005 was. Fourth down? No, it was actually the decision to do a lateral when there was no necessity to do a lateral. Reggie Bush just decided he was invincible. And I'm gonna, and they, they did interviews with the guy lateral, too, because he was like, he didn't expect it. He's like, I didn't expect him to lateral the ball. I mean, we're just going to have great field position. You know, and he decided to try and go for a, a dagger type of score. Didn't the other guy had no expectation. So you end up with a, a mysterious lateral that turns the ball over. And that was the moment where I'm like, oh, we might actually lose this game. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and they did. Uh, and and, and no, they did. no disrespect to the rest of the team. But when you're playing that level of talent, you don't make stupid mistakes like that. So it's so funny. Everyone thinks of the uh, in the run of the corner. To me, I'm like, no, the, to me, the, the, the game changed in that play. Because then it just got, mm-hmm. we're like, we're too, we're, USC is too full of themselves. This is, this is going to come crashing down. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, to take us back, to take us back. Uh, Sorry, no, Baxter was, so, no, no. Now, coming back from 2005, um, <laughs> here we are, here we are uh, in the, uh, the 2023 season. Um, yes. <laughs> CJ Baxter was the first guy off my list. Uh, I very, very much considered him. Um, I think that uh, my consideration was for him was, like you said, it's going to be a team effort running the ball. But if you could ball up all of those Texas running backs and put them into one, this might be a top five or even top three most important units. Just because when you look at Texas early in the year, when they struggled to gain much momentum offensively, there was the game where they entered the fourth quarter tied at 10-10 against Wyoming. Even the Alabama game, they kind of went on a 21-0 run, but it wasn't consistent necessarily the thing that's changed about them between then and now has been the running game coming along it was jonathan brooks at first now that jonathan brooks is out with a torn acl it has been the baxter jadon blue combination and we've seen from them uh each of them have had a 100 yard performance in the three games since uh since jonathan brooks went out and that's been huge for texas and it just makes their job easier 
we I mentioned it on on this week's show. So much is uh, is pointed to about Steve Sarkeesian and his passing offense, but this thing only works if you're able to continue to get tough yards. So I think CJ Baxter is a really good pick. Moving on over to my number eight, I'm going with Dallas Turner, the fantastic edge rusher from Alabama. Another player who I think you could make a very good case should be higher on the list, but he is a do-everything type player. You know, it's not fair to compare anybody to, to what Will Anderson did the past couple of years, but he has essentially stepped into that role. He is good against the run. He's good against the pass. Uh, 13 and a half tackles for loss, nine sacks so far this year. Just a, a freaky, freaky player. He teams up with Chris Braswell, another kind of edge rusher for them, who, uh, I, you know, it is one of the scariest combos that you have in college football. And I think probably the best uh, edge rushing combination in the college football playoff this year. But Turner is a different kind of player because of his versatility. He's not a huge, huge guy. He's not just somebody, you know, maybe like an NFL style Micah Parsons where you're just lining him and having him scream off the edge. You have the ability to do some different things with him. You can line him up in different places. You can have him come up the middle. You can have him come off the edge. You can have him stop the run. Whole nine yards. And heading into a game against a Michigan offensive line that is extremely well coached and will have a month to get itself ready for prime time, I do think that it's going to be very important for Alabama to win just some straight-up one-on-one battles to, to get uh, linemen and tackles in space and just win. And Dallas Turner is the guy who's best prepared to do that. I love that pick. He was my number six. And again, for me, it was kind of a shuffle of whoever I wanted where. But because he is just such a, a dominating force who can disrupt the other side and has proven that he can, and exactly, Michigan's going to have to plan around him. Um, I'm very curious to see how they use him to... Because, I mean, again, Michigan has obviously Zach Zinter's injury has, has kind of created some issues on the offensive line that they've more or less kind of bandaged um, your rotating players. But if you have that level of talent across the board, again, with Braswell and Turner um, to kind of you know, create that, that level of disruption could create some problems in the backfield. And again, we've seen Michigan can can make some adjustments against some other tough defenses, but, you know. It's just another flavor of defense they're going to have to adjust to. And what they saw in the Big Ten may be different than what they see from an SEC program. So I, I think that's a great call. I'm absolutely in support of that one. Um, when it kind of just moving along with my own ranking, uh, as we kind of finish out this first half of this group, I actually, again, going towards players who I think could make an impact, especially given the opponent, given the strengths of who they are and how they play. I went with Michigan's tight end, Colson Loveland. Because I think if Michigan is going to do what worked against Alabama before and what Texas specifically got to work against Alabama, that ability to not just throw, because I mean, again, Alabama's got some excellent uh, DBs, you know, Kool-Aid, all of of those guys. Um, I think it's going to rely heavily on uh, the ability to to get some of these um, short passes. And and, uh, we've seen Loveland... Again, we've talked about it. It isn't just him, but I mean, we've seen Loveland step up and and become more of a featured part of that offense. And he's had a good chemistry with J.J. McCarthy. Um, he's got 40 receptions, 572 yards, four touchdowns. And w- there's a potential for a mismatch there where if he has a good game and if they decide to exploit them that way, and I'm sure Sheryl Moore is going to try that, um, there's some real potential for getting ball getting the ball forward and and opening up that offense against what's going to be again <laughs> a way to get around <laughs> uh get around Dallas Turner and, and and company. I'm really looking forward to seeing that one and I think um Loveland is going to be one of the keys. Yeah, and l- let me go ahead and group in one of my next guys, my number 7 on the list, and that's center Drake Nugent for Michigan. So the the reason that I think that these two players go together is that one when you talk about Colson Loveland like you said, been a big-time receiving threat for them, somebody who's able to get the ball out quickly, somebody who they're able to use as a safety blanket in a lot of ways. But I think that he's going to be just as important as a blocker in this game because when you talk about Michigan's rushing offense, they get outside. They they don't just go up the middle. They're, uh, when you talk about a Blake Corm setting that edge, sealing uh, block uh, defensive ends on the edge, that is a huge part of what they do 
And I think that Loveland is going to be asked to do that quite a bit alongside Drake Nugent uh, whenever you're talking about this matchup against Alabama. They're going to have to seal some guys. And one of the reasons that I picked Drake Nugent specifically is you lose Zach Zinter at right guard, probably the best overall lineman, maybe the best offensive player on the team uh, for Michigan in 2023. They're going to have to move some stuff around to make things fit. You know, we saw at times Carson Barnhart at right tackle struggled. They slid him inside a little bit to try to protect him a little more. They're going to need these two players, Drake Nugent and Colson Loveland specifically, to step up and help against the attack from Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell uh, against Alabama. So I, I think this is a huge dynamic of the game. We talked about it earlier this week. Can Michigan's offensive line hold up? against players like Chris Braswell, like Dallas Turner, like some of the other guys that they're going to be bringing off the edge. This is, I think, the the twosome of guys that will decide that most. Now, again, Drake Nugent plays inside. Colson Loveland uh, is a tight end. He also does a lot of receiving work. But I think that it's more going to be how do you scheme using these two guys to try to give your right guard and right tackle just a little bit more help when they're playing uh, the kind of front that they really haven't had to play this year. With my number six, I'm sticking in the Rose Bowl. Do you remember back in 2017, I think it was, uh, there was a receiver who was pretty highly recruited coming out. Nobody had really known much about him. He kind of seemed like an afterthought uh, heading into his own recruiting class because of the talent that Alabama had. And then Devontae Smith caught a game-winning touchdown, and his story was starting to be written. Right, And then he goes on to become the greatest wide receiver in the history of Alabama. I'm not saying that Isaiah Bond is on that trajectory, but we have not had an Alabama offensive, uh, oh my gosh, an Alabama wide receiver come through and play that way since Devontae Smith. We haven't seen the dynamic first-round pick-type receiver since Jameson Williams graduated after, uh, obviously, he tore his ACL in 2021. I think that Isaiah Bond is proving himself as that kind of player. Uh, he, of course, catches the infamous 4th and 31 against Auburn that will go down in history that people will play for the next 100 years. He had another great game in the SEC title game. And when I look at this Alabama receiving group, it is a flawed group. Jermaine Burton has come along. But I think that Isaiah Bond has the potential to be the kind of player who we come away from this college football playoff saying, that is the next star at Alabama. And especially for a quarterback in Jalen Milrow, who's still coming along, who's still a little bit uh, raw at times, especially as a passer, having somebody like Isaiah Bond uh, continue to grow is a huge part of, of what I think can make Alabama successful. I, again, we have seen that Jalen Milrow has the ability to throw the deep ball, and I think Isaiah Bond is growing as potentially his most reliable deep ball receiver. So don't be surprised at all if Isaiah Bond comes out and is suddenly the breakout player of the 2024 college football playoff. Boy, I like that pick only because it goes to one of my own selections, which is the opposite side of that particular matchup, which is how well Will Johnson's going to be able to stop him. Um, and obviously he was a little banged up. I assume he's going to be back full strength by all accounts. He will be. Uh, for the Rose Bowl, but that's going to be one of the the best matchups in it because if Johnson is anyway not at full strength, because when he's at at full strength and when he's playing to his talents, he's one of the best defensive backs in the game, hands down. Um, but if there's any weak spot in his game, um, I could see Bond taking advantage of it, and I could certainly see with Milrow throwing to him and the scheming that Tommy Tommy Reese is going to be doing that they're going to have an opportunity to, to take advantage of it. So Bond is going to, pardon me, uh, Johnson's going to absolutely have to step up in this game um, because, quite frankly, in this game, and, and if they make it through the next game, I can't think of any of these teams where he isn't going to be absolutely crucial to any kind of defensive stop, and especially for the Michigan defense, that he's going to be a critical part of it. Um, so if you have to say Bond, I, I have to add Johnson to it too. And I kind of put him in the middle as well, and I think that's as good a time as any to, to use as a compliment to the uh, Bond in that kind of selection. So next we'll break down five more, the top five players that we see heading into the college football playoff here on the College Football Survivor Show. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line.
Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. So, Shahan, as we kind of go through some of these impact players, these key players that are going to be a part of this college football playoff semifinal, you know, I'm going to go back to Alabama, Kool-Aid, McKinstry. I think he's going to have, and he's going to be a key part of anything. I mean, cornerbacks are so vital. We always kind of, everyone always likes to talk about the, uh, the kind of the, the allure of an offense, but so much of this are the guys that have to stop. Them. And Kool-Aid McKinstry has been one of the best corners in the game. He's part of the reason why the Crimson Tide defense is so solid and has quite frankly helped them when they were trying to even figure out their offense earlier on this season. So I think his matchup is going to be important. I think how he stacks up against, uh, you know, the Michigan, you know, offense. And obviously the wide receivers at Michigan are not as runaway stars as, as they are on some of the other programs in this particular playoff. Um, I think he's going to be a, a pivotal part of that. So it's funny because we just talked about Will Johnson previously, but on the other side of the ball, um, I should say on the other side of the defense, um, Kool-Aid, I think, is going to be a, an important part of that. No, there's no doubt. I actually think that what's so interesting about this playoff and kind of about college football in general is there's been so much attention paid to receivers. But part of the reason that we don't see as many stars is because I think that the level of cornerback play in the country is exploding. We have so many cornerbacks on this list. There's another cornerback that I have higher up on my list that we'll definitely get to. But the, the level of coverage that guys are coming into college with and continuing to develop once they get there. It's impressive. And you mentioned Kool-Aid McKintry, one of the best cornerbacks. I mean, I I think that there's a good case that he is the best individual cornerback in the college football playoff. Some folks will will argue with that, like you mentioned. uh, You know, obviously a couple of really good players, but he's just consistent. He is a consistent player, and not just in a game against Michigan, where you obviously have some guys, uh, maybe some that we'll mention, uh, that that obviously are going to be playmakers in those games. But also when you look at a college football playoff final, I mean, the, the Washington and Texas receivers, either of those groups is, you know, those are top three units in the country at minimum. And so to have a cornerback who can potentially take one of those best players away, I, I think is a huge advantage. Well, that's it. Let's jump to my number four. I'm going to go back to Washington and there aren't a lot of standout defensive players on Washington, but Braylon Trice is one of them. And Braylon Trice as a defensive lineman, defensive end type uh, is so critical to what they do. He is the true playmaker that they have in that front seven, especially on the defensive line. Uh, And he's going to have a tough challenge. These offensive lines playing in the college football playoff, especially the three that aren't on his team. These are three of the best offensive lines in all of college football. They're big, they're physical, they're mean. But so is Braylon Trice. He is a big-time electric pass rusher, somebody who's able to get to the quarterback, somebody who's able to cause mistakes. And especially when you talk about a matchup like this Texas game, making Quinn Ewers uncomfortable is such a huge part of beating Texas. We saw this uh, with Oklahoma. They brought a lot of pressure from their front to try to make Quinn Ewers uncomfortable. And he rewarded them with two early interceptions in the first six minutes of the game. If you can get him out of his rhythm, I think that that changes the way that they have to play football entirely. And so I think that Braylon Trice is the guy from Washington who will have to do that. He'll also need to be a big time uh, run defender as well against any of these teams. And, uh, you know, I, I think that a lot's going to be asked of him. They have good players at linebacker. They have some really good players in the secondary, but on the defensive line, it's Braylon Trice and then a rotation of guys. So he's, I think, going to need to be the leader of that group for Washington to have a chance to not just beat Texas, but to win the national championship. 
I agree. He's their best pass rusher. He is a solid edge defender. And you're right. There, there's Jabbar Muhammad in the backfield, a couple of other good people in that, in that Washington defense, but we don't really talk about that line as much. Um, and, and part again, when you have such a, an offense that people always with, with guys like Penix and Adunze, everyone wants to talk about them. We, we neglect the fact, and also maybe it is just kind of a pac 12 thing. People always think like, Oh, they don't really play defense. It's all about just teams kind of going at each other's throats with star quarterbacks, but no, they, they absolutely can and you need that kind of a complete package to be a, a championship team. And clearly, as we said before, the defense there is what bailed them out of Arizona State. Um, so, yeah, I think that's a great pick. He was, gosh, I've actually lost track of how I ranked these guys because we've been kind of going through it, but he made my <laughs> list. He was definitely one of my top fives as well. Because I was actually debating between that because I don't want to include every corner. That's that's actually what I tend to do yeah. when I start looking at defenses. Because Jabbar Muhammad, I'm like, well, he's a strong player. Um, but at the same time, that ability to disrupt and throw off viewers is really important, um, especially since he isn't necessarily, uh, you know, a running quarterback in the in the traditional sense where you know he can he can beat you with his feet. You want to get back there, you want to create disruptions, um, which certainly that's what Texas is going to be doing when with Penix uh, when it gets down to it. But um, goodness, this is kind of funny because I'm looking at my list. And I'm trying to like sort through who we haven't really talked about yet. Uh, <laughs> I know I can only imagine. Um, uh, yeah. Oh yeah, that's so funny. Uh, I'm seeing our producers kind of. Uh, Tucking in to see like how I'm going to rank him. Like honestly, my ranking seems to be mo- seems to be a mobile quarterback right now, moving all over the yeah. field. I do have our list down, so oh, to do? just run through it. Yes, I have number ten Dylan Johnson, number nine Romo Dunze, number eight Dallas Turner, number seven Drake Nugent, number six Isaiah Bond, number five Jade Barron, number four Braylon Trice. You've gone through Jade Barron at ten, Will Reichard at nine, C.J. Baxter at eight. Colson Loveland at seven, Dallas Turner at six, and Kool-Aid McKinstry at five. That sounds pretty good. I'll go with those. Um, <laughs> you know, the next player, though, I do want to bring up, and, and this is where it gets kind of interesting, too, because I wasn't sure where where to rank them, because they're both star players. One is arguably stronger than the other, but I think I'm going to use this as my spot to bring up Byron Murphy the second, because we're going we're gonna to get to his colleague in a moment. Uh, almost certainly one of us will, but it's a one-two punch. And it, I don't care how you want to cut it. Both of them are obviously NFL caliber guys. And who knows, even though when they get into the league, how they perform might be, we might reverse them in order. So I'm just going to say all of that. But he's an undeniable force with 26 tackles, eight tackles for losses, five sacks, 19 stops. Um, he is absolutely able to put pressure on the quarterback. I mean, he's got like 40 pressures, 30 hurries, something like that. So that ability to create that level of disruption with tandem with that entire defense, but he's a key part of it is going to be how Texas will potentially disrupt that dynamic Washington offense and that ability to get back there and create pressure and cause an otherwise... I mean, again, we've talked about Penix. He's got that that kind of magic ability. He's got that ability just to make plays happen. But if you keep putting enough pressure on a guy, they're going to crack. And I think he's going to be one of those key reasons. Texas, if they're going to win, it's going to be behind him and his compadre. But I'm going to put Sweat at this point in my rankings. Yes. So the big thing with Byron Murphy is that, you know, Sweat, Murphy, who, Murphy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got that Sweat will get to in just a second. Yeah, Trust we will me. get to him. Uh, Murphy is a little bit more of the pass rusher of the duo. And one of the scariest things in football is interior pass rush. Like, think of it from the perspective of a quarterback, right? What you're trained to do is you're trained to drop back, look down the field. If you feel pressure coming around the edge, you step up. That's what you're trained to do. If Byron Murphy's there, that kind of changes what you're able to do. And all of these quarterbacks, uh, again, have played behind pretty good offensive lines who have been able to, to give them protection. This changes the game when Byron Murphy is having a great game. I think of, uh, you know, J.J. McCarthy, such a good pocket passer, right? If he is getting pressure up the front... I mean, you're suddenly starting to have, you know, guys having to run around like they're Bryce Young out there. It is just a totally different kind of ball game if uh, if you're getting interior pressure. He's a hugely impactful player for that reason. Also a, a great contributor in the running game, though probably a little bit less so than Tavondre Sweat. And this is, I mean, I keep coming back to it. These are the number one and number two ranked defensive interior players by Pro Football Focus. Like, number one and number two play for the same team right next to each other. It's 
crazy what he's uh, been able to accomplish this year. I, I'm, I like that pick a whole lot. I'm going to stick on defense for my next pick. Going to move back over to the Rose Bowl in Michigan. Mike Sanders still is one of the most playmaking cornerbacks that I can remember. He is everywhere where a play happens. You know, I, I think that we feel it at times. Maybe technically he's not as elite as some of these other guys, but he knows how to recover with the best of them, whether it's a key interception, whether it's a pick six, whether it's a, a pass breakup. He is just one of those kinds of guys who, even though he doesn't seem to have all of the physicals, uh, he just always makes a play. And going into a matchup, like you mentioned, against Isaiah Bond, against Jermaine Burton, against uh, a quarterback like Jalen Milrow, he is a playmaker. And I think that Michigan's going to need those plays getting into the college football playoff. Uh, we talked about at times that offensively, this is not a very explosive Michigan team, but they've made up for it in a lot of ways by at times being explosive defensively. And I think that Mike mm -hmm. Sanders still is a huge part of what they want to do. Um, and again, like with Will Johnson on one side, if you can shut down that other side and Mike Sanders still can have a good game, I mean, it changes the way that you have to play offense against this team because then all of a sudden you're having to challenge the middle of the field where you've got Junior Coles and where you've got that defensive line, where you've got those NFL safeties. So I think he's going to be a very important player in this game. And if Michigan beats Alabama, I think that Mike Sanders still has an interception in this game, maybe even one that immediately sets up a touchdown. That would be my guess. I think that's a great call. And I think um, he's such a versatile player. And we sometimes get so um, distracted by the top wide receiver, the top defensive back, when really it's that entirety of it. I mean, I've, I've, there's been plenty of offenses and defenses, but I'm going to offenses again, they tend to be more highlighted. But like over time, I think any of our listeners who've played attention to some of the best teams out there know it's not always number receiver number one, it's receiver number two and number three that get those key plays that force the defense into chaos and, and allow the team to, to kind of march down there. So for that very reason, having someone like Mike Sanders still up back there um, running around and able to make those key plays. Um, I think that he's, he's an important part of it, especially when you're playing a team with the level of talent across the board, like Alabama, because they've got their own group of wide receivers. So they, they're going to need someone who can get there and come in the key plays all over the field. I think that's a great call. And I think that's why oddly enough, he is maybe perhaps an unknown hero, unsung hero in some of this in terms of one of the key players where if he doesn't perform well, we're going to find out real quick. Um, exactly. That, that entire, the, the strength of that offense is, is going to, is going to come, uh, or probably the strength of that defense is going to come apart. Um, especially against such a, a relentless offense like Alabama can be, um, boy. So let's see here. I'm going to go next with kind of a safer pick, um, and going back to, to Texas only because, A.D. Mitchell is going to be absolutely a key part of that offense and getting that passing attack moving is going to be another part of it. And, and it's particularly if they can take full advantage of because I expect it to be. It's so funny. We're talking about how much of a wrestling match it's going to be between Michigan and Alabama in the Sugar Bowl. I think we're expecting more of offensive fireworks. And I think he is going to be a key part of the Texas offense. And for that reason, he's one of my one of my key picks, especially we're holding off a little bit on the quarterback. So I'm going to talk about, it's the same reason why we're talking about Odunze versus Penix. I think having that kind of a key offensive weapon is going to be a, another important part of what gives Texas an edge. If they're going to, to take advantage of that game. Well, the funny thing too, about AD Mitchell is that that dude loves the college football playoff. He scored a touchdown in every single playoff game that he's played in. He continued that streak, by the way, by having a touchdown in the big 12 championship game as well. One that really kind of ended the game. And he is just built for these moments in so many ways. And over the course of the 2023 season playing for Texas, he was the guy who broke opposing defenses. He would get behind the defense. He would take a ball, uh, you know, 50 yards after the catch. He would completely embarrass a cornerback. He is a, an absolute playmaker. We've actually, in our work, like, uh, like chats, we've talked a lot that maybe A.D. Mitchell might be after, you know, that top three in the NFL draft. Maybe he's number four. Maybe he is a legitimate first round prospect uh, if some things break right. And if he tests well at the combine, 
And heading into the year, obviously, all the conversation was about Xavier Worthy at wide receiver for Texas. And Xavier Worthy has been really good. But mm-hmm. I would argue that A.D. Mitchell has been the game breaker. He's been the thing that's taken this passing offense from good to unbelievable at times this season. And it's the playoff. He's going to show up. He's going to score a touchdown. And, uh, you know, A.D. Mitchell's been part of two college football playoff squads and both won the national championship. So that's not a bad place to start. <laughs> that is incredible when you think about it. And again, exactly. It's going back to the fact that you've got Xavier Worthy out there, but it's sometimes it's that second receiver. And even that, that it's a weird thing to say that with, with someone like A.D. Mitchell. But he's become one of the, the frequent downfield targets. He is absolutely able to do that. And that creates a dynamic offense that becomes a problem. Um, for whoever they go against. So I agree 100%. Who you got next? Yeah, so we're moving up to number two on my list. And that's where I'm going to go with Tavondre Sweat. And Tavondre Sweat just won the Outland Trophy as the best mm-hmm. interior lineman in all of college deserved, football. So deserved. Yeah, Well-deserved. <laughs> an award that I, I vote on. Uh, and he is <laughs> like a top five rushing defense just by himself. He is that kind of player. He is so big. He is so freaky. He moves so well. I've never seen, I don't want to say I've never seen a player like him, but as a run stuffer at the college level, it's unbelievable. I'm I'm telling everybody, go look up the photo of him walking into the stadium in his like turtleneck with his giant chain. It looks like he's wearing a sumo suit underneath his clothes. He is so wide it is unbelievable but he still moves well i think he's listed at 364 pounds and he looks every one of them but you see again i mentioned it they played todge brooks who finished number four in the country in rushing yards this year they played ollie gordon who finished number one in the nation in rushing yards this year uh and they shut them both down it it was really not much of a struggle for them either with the way that they play uh run defense on the interior now He's a little bit less of a pass rusher, like I mentioned, than Byron Murphy is. But if you're able to basically eliminate one half of an offense because you've got a guy who's a freak, that'll do. <laughs> I mean, that'll do. And so for me, he was number two on my list of uh, most important players in the college football playoff. I think that's a great call. Um, he was probably my number one, if we're not including quarterbacks, Um because of how dominating he will be, and especially against that Washington. Because again, with Washington, we know that was one of the ways Arizona State took advantage of them is they were doing rushing well up the middle. And when you have stepping up to the best person in the game currently, um, he's absolutely going to be one of the most important players in all of it. So if I'm going to put one more player out there as I kind of round this out, I'm going to also go with Blake Corum, only because when I'm thinking about players who their performance could very well make or break their team, um, if Blake Corm can get the running game going for, and again, he uh, isn't just him, but again, I'm, I'm thinking about, you know, if Donovan Edwards somehow comes out there and, you know, Alex orgy comes out as kind of that running quarterback, of course, when he comes out there, I'm pretty sure Alabama is going to know what's going to happen. Um, if, if they march him out there, but Blake Corm, they know he's running back. They know he's out there and he's able to get those hard yards. They can put the, if they can put things on his shoulders, if they can rely on that, if he can perform and it's, it's obviously the offensive line is going to be a huge part of that in and of itself. Um, if he can get a game going, that's going to be a lot of trouble for Alabama and his game, his success on the field. And, and part of me also gets into sort of a chicken and egg. Is he doing well because the rest of the offense is also doing really well and kind of forcing Alabama to not necessarily play the right way or play the way they would like to take advantage of it. Or is it just going to be his, him, pushing the entire offense on putting offense on his shoulders and carrying the load. But I think how he performs is going to be a really key indicator in whether or not Michigan's going to be able to defeat Alabama in the Rose Bowl. No, it's a great call. This has been a Michigan rushing offense that has not been as complete and as consistent as it has been in years past. So you mentioned how much of Blake Corm's production is the offense doing well and him taking advantage. How much of it is him creating it? This game is going to decide it, I think, in a lot of ways. Last year, I would make the case that it was a little bit more, I don't want to call it system, because I, I don't want to sound <laughs> like Blake Corum's not incredible, but I do think it was a little bit more doing stuff within the system last year. This year, 
behind an offensive line that's had more inconsistent play, I do think that he's been more of an individual playmaker than we've seen in years past. And this is the game where we need him to break off big runs. This is the game where we need him to have that moment where we need him to make the game easier for J.J. McCarthy. And so I, I like this pick a whole lot. He's going to be a very important player. I'll also put alongside with him, Jonathan Edwards has not been himself this year. Last year, uh, you know, I think that many people would have argued that he was the better running back of the two. He had more explosive upside. You saw what he did against Ohio State last year. It was unbelievable. And this year, coming off of surgery, he has not been that player. So it's not just Blake Corm that I think needs to take a step up. I think that Donovan Edwards needs to enjoy his month off and come back ready to compete at a high level because they really need that from uh, from this Michigan attack. They need an explosive component. Trust me, we're going to get there again in one second. But before we do, before we get to our number one overall, let's touch on the quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So for me, looking at where I have everybody, I think that my most important quarterback on the list, who I would probably have number one. I think it's Michael Penix Jr. I I think that he is just so important to what this team does that I think I'd have him number one. But I could also hear an argument for Jalen Milrow in that same sort of way. Who would you have number one among the quarterbacks on your list? I I 100% agree with Penix because no team in this playoff relies more on their quarterback's success or their quarterback's integral to their success quite as Washington. And I agree. Milrow's probably my number two, um, but only because so many of those games where things have come on the line, both Oregon games, he's been the key decision maker, the key to making that offense click. Excuse me. And um, has been absolutely a vital part of that. So I think Penix is my number one in terms of the quarterback group. Um, And arguably, we could say overall uh, in terms of whether his success, his success will make or break their playoff run. And Jalen Milrow, again, because we saw how Alabama changed when they figured out how to use him correctly. And even in the game where they're having a disaster of a game against Auburn, he still was the reason why they were able to to come out of that one on top. it's a close one, but only consistently throughout the entire season has Penix been the reason why. So I think he would be my number one among the quarterbacks as well. The other two, and this is where it gets interesting. Maybe is I don't know, is would yours be the final one only because they have such talent behind them right now? Because everyone would just, you know, the Texas fans would probably have a very interesting mixed thoughts of suddenly Arch Manning had to come out in the middle of the game <laughs> in the playoff <laughs> and become a legend. Can you imagine that? Oh my gosh. Uh, that That's just a scenario that would be, I mean, I don't want to, hopefully not for injury purposes or anything, but just like imagine Arch Manning coming out and winning it for Texas. Boy, goodness gracious. <laughs> I don't even want to know. Like they would be, and I mean this in the most respectful way, they would be so insufferable in the off season. I, I could only imagine what we would hear. But, um, but again, with JJ McCarthy, it's more of in between. I, I, again, we've talked about that. He just needs, I just want him to not make too many errors if they're going to make a chance. If for Michigan to win, he just has to keep it under control and keep that offense humming. So among the four, Penix is by far the one, I agree, where if Washington's going to win, it's going to be on his shoulders. Yeah, so I th- I think that that's definitely where I'm leaning. But with that said, who is the number one player, the most important player in the college football playoff to you? Well, it's interesting because we kind of, as we were hinting that for me, it, it is uh, it is Mr. Sweat. He is absolutely the dominating reason why I think Tavondre Sweat, if he can if he can dominate against Washington. He's going to absolutely wreck that game because for the very same reason, I just said Penix is the entire reason why Washington could win it. Sweat could single-handedly disrupt that backfield and cause so much havoc for Washington that they just simply, that they, they may fall apart. They may turn into a pumpkin. I mean, we were always worried about that for the entire season. Like after that first Oregon game, we kept talking about like, what's up with Washington and Penix would somehow come pull something out of his hat and make the team successful. Sometimes, And again, last year we saw it a bit with Caleb Williams only because he kind of got a little bit dinged up in the Pac-12 title game and they completely fell apart and Utah ran in completely over them. So I don't know if that's what we would see with Washington. Washington overall is a much better program, I think, right now, just talent wise across the board. So I don't want to I don't want to say this is like, like a Grinch type of defense or anything like that. But if if Devondre Sweat can get back there and create that level of disruption, I think he could make them fall apart. And similarly, um, if 
assuming they were to get past that, um, and uh, again, I'm not, I'm not uh, gonna we'll maybe do predictions down the road, but against the other two teams, if they go into the title game, I think he's going to be just as important because his ability to create that level of havoc and disrupt the most important players on the offense of the other side will absolutely be a game breaker situation. And I think um, he has a potential and the talent to be a legend. I mean, he already is on that, that highest level. He could go into the stratosphere depending on how he performs in this. And because if, and if he somehow flops or heaven forbid, he somehow gets injured, that's going to really change the entire color of how we view uh, that burnt orange defense or how you want to say it that way. I think it's going it, to, his, his strength and his talent is going to, is going to be vital to the Texas performance. No, there's no question about it. I think that he is an unbelievably important player, as important a player as there's been in college football this year. We've said it time and time again this year. Texas is a good offensive team with an elite defense. And when you look at the biggest strength of that defense, it has been their ability against the run. It has been their ability to make teams one-dimensional, force them to go to the outside, force mistakes from them. And Tavondre Sweat is right at the center of it. Like you said, the Outland Trophy winner, a first-team All-American. I think that he has a really interesting chance to make a first-round NFL draft case this year. Nose tackle's tough in the NFL. Sometimes they get a little underdrafted versus other positions, but I, I think that he has the potential to be that kind of player, a day-one starter in the NFL, somebody who plays in the NFL for 10 years. So a big-time player for sure, a huge key to what Texas wants to do this year. And also, again, you look at what Texas was in 2022 – which was a good eight and five team. And you compare that to what they are this year, which is the 12 and one big 12 champions and number three seed in the college football playoff. Their defensive improvement has spurred that. And Tavondre Sweat has been at the center of that. So I absolutely love that pick for number one. I'm going to go a little bit of a different direction for my number one. So when you look at Michigan, my biggest question about them is what are you going to do against these teams, against Texas, against Alabama, and against Washington, that's explosive. And you look at their receiver room. I I don't think personally that they've been good enough. There are 357 players in college football with at least 40 targets this year. Cornelius Johnson ranks 336th in yards after catch per reception. That sucks, right? A little bit further up the board at 280th is Roman Wilson, who is my number one most important player in the college football playoff. Roman Wilson has been a consistent player for Michigan. He's been somebody who is sure-handed. He's been somebody who has been a possession receiver for them. Uh, He's been a safety blanket at times uh, for J.J. McCarthy. And we saw last year in the college football playoff game against TCU He has an explosive component to his game whenever he gets going, but we haven't seen it with any level of consistency this year. It it has been a struggle to get down the field, to create opportunities, and Michigan's been able to win, even against their good opponents, close games where they didn't just mow over teams, but you can't do that whenever you're playing against Jalen Milrow and Romo Dunze and Quinn Ewers and A.D. Mitchell. You have to be explosive. Again, Roman Wilson, uh, 280th in yards after catch per per target. Like that, that is not going to cut it heading into the college football playoff against really good receiver rooms. On paper, Michigan has the worst passing game by a mile out of these four teams. And at some point this season, JJ McCarthy was seen as an NFL draft pick and a Heisman finalist potentially, uh, and, and that's taken a step back. And they kind of went away from their passing game. They're not going to be able to move away from their passing game and have any chance of beating an Alabama or any of the other teams in the field. So to me, Roman Wilson has to step up, prove himself as a legitimate NFL caliber receiver, as a legitimate explosive component to their offense. And uh, if he's able to do that, I think that changes the ceiling of this team. If he isn't able to do that, I don't think Michigan even has a chance to win a game. That is a great pick. I didn't even think of it that way because again, he's not... Certainly not the flashiest receiver with all the different people we have on all of these teams, but his success on that field is going to be vital to getting that offense moving. Because you're right, they can't just run it 32 times in a row. 
um, that will not go anywhere, especially Chris Braswell uh, might have something to say about that for Alabama. (laughs) But um, yeah, so I, I think that's a great pick, man. What a great list. Goodness. We've had so many good players. I cannot wait to. This is getting me hyped. I mean, we've got there's too much. There's too much time before. I mean, too bad. We're, <laughs> next year, we'll be already be getting ready for first round of playoffs. So we'll be high, super hype about that. But goodness, we still have this this great buildup. What a great way to, to kind of wrap that up and uh, and look at this. So I'm actually. So why don't you run down who your top 10 were? And I'll just pretend like I remember my top 10 because I, I'm completely lost on my own. <laughs> but yours is more organized than mine. I'd love to hear your. Yes. So run us down your top 10 one more time. Yes, number 10. I had running back Dylan Johnson from Washington. Number nine, Romo Dunze, wide receiver. Number eight, Dallas Turner, the great edge rusher from Alabama. Number seven, Drake Nugent at center from Michigan. Number six, Isaiah Bond, wide receiver from Alabama. Number five, uh, defensive back, nickelback, Jade Barron from Texas. Number four, we've got Jalen Trice from Washington. Number three, Mike Sanders still from Michigan. Number two, Tavondre Sweat from Texas. And at number one, the most important player in the college football playoff, Roman Wilson, wide receiver, Michigan. That was exceptional. I think my only really oddballs were Will Reiter, only because the kicker might come into play. And again, he was the mysterious one, but I love that list. And, uh, and I threw in a few more, but uh, that was great. Oh my goodness. Well, you know, I just wanted to thank all of you for listening. This was a college football survivor show. I hope you enjoyed our little rundown of some of these key players that you should look out for as we head to this college football semifinal on January 1st. I wanted to take a second to thank our producer, Joey Aliberti. Uh, Be sure if you get a chance to like, rate, and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You can follow us on X or TikTok at CFB Survivor Show. I'm Bob Akairi. He's Shahan J. Araja. You can find his work at cbssports.com. Have a great weekend, everybody. Bowl season's here. The College Football Survivor Show, where playoff survival is always on the line.